Hey, everybody. Welcome to an unexpected podcast. This is Matt in Boston. Hey, um, with us is uh, Evan today, uh, also in Boston, and Rob in D.C. Um, this is going to be a shorter format episode, and the reason is due to various life transitions and other things that are going on. Uh, some of our normal podcast members aren't going to be available for uh, the next few weeks stretching into months. So we're going to be doing some shorter format episodes with a smaller number of us. This is going to be the first of those. And for this one, we're going to continue our never ending story about defense of the North. And we're going to discuss uh, some of the lists that we didn't talk about last time, do a little bit of a, a, a quick, a, a quick, but deep dive into some of those lists. And these are the lists that uh, Rob has been really excited to play. So <laughs> Rob, which, what do you want to talk about? The thing that I always want to talk about, always, 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 which is the Army of Dale, my uh, my new growing favorite army. I, th I think it would be hard to dislodge Gondor in my heart permanently, but as this you know excitement for defense of the North is is swirling around us, I've just been having a ton of fun with uh, with this new legendary legion, and um, and I think it's a very very interesting army to play. I know I've I've kind of gushed about it to various degrees before on the podcast, but now oh. that you know. Yeah. But now that I mean, we've had some time actually with, you know, models on the table and rules in hand, so to speak, it's, uh, it's and you've, you've recovered you know, from your fainting couch. I have recovered from my fainting couch, at least for the moment. I have a backup um, too, actually behind me there for, you know, when, when the excitement really hits me, <laughs> but um, I don't know if uh, I know everybody's been, been playing games with all the new lists. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to either play with or against the army of Dale yet. Um, I know at least through online chatter of all of the various things coming out in this book, it seems to be going a little bit under the radar. I mean, it's probably not as exciting as Bayornings and Easterlings. And so an assault on Lothlorien, God help us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Evan and I were actually just at the Atlantic city open mm -hmm. um, last weekend and the army of Dale was conspicuously absent. There mm -hmm. were, there were several um, Legion of the dragon emperor mm -hmm. lists there um, there was somebody who brought the assault on Lothlorien list, mm -hmm. and there was even an army of bears being, you know, kind of substituted onto the board. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no army of Dale. Yeah. And I mean, I think, um, to some degree it's because of the army's expensive. It's pretty much, you're buying a lot of forge world. So you have to really be committed to the army. Um, if you want to spend that kind of money and, before what, like two weeks ago, uh, they didn't have a legendary legion, so there wasn't, you know, this um, this kind of binding reason to play them outside of love. But now, I think with the legendary legion, there's definitely a a competitive argument to be made for them um, because the models were all good already, the profiles. But now you gave them all fearless, which is just, you know, in the in the current meta or in any meta, is just such a um, strong tool to play with. So. Um, I have been mostly playing them um, at lower points, so not at the kind of 800 level where where I want to want to take them for for Nova practice and try out that Windlance. So unfortunately, I don't have a lot of Windlance data as of yet to talk about. Though I imagine it'll be just as disappointing as Matt thinks it is. <laughs> um, yeah, um, but just as fun it. as I hope it is. <laughs> So, um, but I have done a lot of um, practice with just the core infantry concept with the knights and the bows, uh, and you can fit a remarkably large amount of the 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 Dale army list into a low point army. It's it's kind of a little bit like Arnor in that sense, where because the heroes are cheaper, you you can still have all of them and have an army behind you. 
Um, and they, they work essentially as intended, right? I mean, it's, it's definitely an army that uh, has its weaknesses, especially because you don't have kind of a mega hero of your own. So if you run into an opponent's mega hero, there's a, there's kind of a management crisis on your hands, but um, but it kind of works as advertised. It does what it says on the tin. You've got you've got a really strong line of infantry that people don't actually want to fight because if they lose against them, they're you know they're going to get lanced, and nobody likes to get lanced. Uh, you have a pretty sizable bow contingent, and they're all, all really strong bows because they're elf bows and they hit on threes. And because those bowmen can also take spears, you you don't actually end up losing real estate on your battle line if you don't want to. So I mean, there's scenarios where sitting back and shooting is just implausible and you can kind of avoid that problem pretty easily. Um, and all of the, all of the heroes, I think, I think the thing I'm finding with this army that is, is the most fun, especially compared to armies I usually play, which, you know, people who know me will know that they usually revolve around some kind of big hero, Boromir, Aragorn, something like that. Um, because they're all essentially kind of mid tier heroes, you, you don't have to be quite as worried about them. And so your army becomes very decentralized, right? It's not like a Boromir with banner where, where there's a compelling reason to kind of have proximity in your battle line to something. So when it comes to scenarios like Reconnoiter, for example, or some of the objective scenarios, you're like, all right, each warband is fairly self-sufficient. So I don't have to super worry about, you know, this, that, or the other. I can just kind of play the game and let the infantry carry it. But at the same time, the heroes are just strong enough that your opponent can't completely ignore them, right? I mean, they have strike, uh, they uh, brand or sorry, bard in particular has a, has a plus one to wound mechanic. So, you know, he's dangerous when he wants to be, they have three attacks. So when you really want them to turn it on and can kill infantry, they can. So just like the rest of the army, um, the entire list is kind of just one big dilemma for your opponent, which turns into this little mini game of, do I focus the heroes or not? Because if he loses them, um, unless it's, you know, brand in a, in a game against a full terror army, it's not the end of the world, right? Like they're not going to cripple him by dying outside of, you know, giving up leader points, for example. Um, but at the same time, if I do ignore them, they're going to consistently chip away at my troops, right? Uh, you've got the dilemma of, do I come to the army and charge it, which he wants me to do, because, you know, the knights kind of turn on in a more static defensive position um, and risk that, or do I kind of sit back and risk the bows? And so your, your opponent is constantly having to think about something, and the more your opponent is thinking about something and the less you have to think about something, the more they're likely to make a mistake and the more, or the less likely you are, right? So... So it's a very interesting army to play. Um, I'm very excited about it. I want to get a thousand more games with it and play it at a million tournaments. And um, do I think it's the kind of army that can win Articon? I mean, probably not, right? I mean, there's just some really powerful builds out there that if you're on a top table, you're gonna need you're gonna need a lot of luck and a lot of skill to kind of break through. But do I think it can do really well? Is it you know a, a four two five one army definitely? And it's also has the benefit of not making your opponent want to take you out back afterwards and you know stuff you in a trash can. So it creates a game where everybody's happy at the end of it, um, and and I love it. So so I mean, just for the listeners out there who who don't remember a few episodes back. Mm -hmm. um, which was probably going to be at like a couple months ago when uh, by the time this comes days, out. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, the army of Dale is a very simple legendary legion. Mm -hmm. It has brand King of Dale. It has Bard Prince of Dale. It, you can get uh, the cheap 50, 50 point captains or 55 points. If you give them a shield, um, you can get Knights of Dale. You can get warriors of Dale with all the options, which now include Warhorns, banners, 
um, you know, Eskaroth bows, which are basically elf bows. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you can get a wind lance. And then the special rules that come with it are the skilled bowman, which increases everybody's shoot value to three, or at least everybody that can shoot value to three. Mm -hmm. um, and then protect the king, which uh, gives you gives every friendly Dale model sworn protector brand, which essentially makes them all fearless until brand goes down, which I think in some situations give you an incentive to just hide brand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah. that's, that's the, the brilliant thing about it is you can take brand out of your battle line right? and your army doesn't lose that much effectiveness. Right. So like when you really need to hide brand because he's more valuable, is just like a living body great <laughs> let him get paralyzed six inches behind your line and sit there for the rest of the game you don't care right as long as he's given that fearless so at, at 800 points what does this army look like i mean how, so, how many figures are in this thing at 800 points so uh it, it varies a tiny bit by whether or not you're taking the wind lance but shockingly not too much let's assume um, for the sake of argument that you're not so if you're not taking the Windlands, you're probably looking at 800 points at somewhere in the 48 to 50 models range, um, because you're going to get your both you're going to get both of your heroes. Now this is assuming um, this is assuming that you're taking mostly knights, right? If you're taking mostly warriors, you might get a couple models north of that. But uh, as I've discussed in our previous podcast, I don't actually think that's a good idea in this particular army. I think that mathematically, you're just better off taking more knights. Um, but you're essentially getting about 15 bows, warriors with bows. You're getting um, a banner. You're getting probably in the range of 30 knights, um, you know, let's say 28 to 30 knights. Or, uh, and you're probably maybe also getting a couple warriors and two captains, right? If you're not taking the Windlands. So I believe that at, at 800 with the Windlands, it's 47 models or 48 models. So if you drop the Windlands, because you've already filled up your um, Warbands at that point, you have to take another Captain. Um, and the Captain's already 55 points. So that only really gives you like 20 points for Warriors, which is only, you know, you're only getting two to three models at that point, but it's, you know, still going to possibly push you north of 50. So, gotcha. so it's actually okay. a sizable amount. Yeah, that's a, that's a sizable amount of fight four, shoot three figures. Defense six, right? As yeah. well on your battle line. So, and, and, and I assume, it, I assume you're going to max out the bows. Um, yes. Always, so always, always. Yeah. So you're in the order of, oh my gosh, I'm trying to do math in my head. Um, uh, 10, so like 16, perhaps seven, probably like 16 bows. Yeah. You're, you're probably looking somewhere between 14 and 17, let's say like yeah. you can vary a little depending on build, but you know, uh, for 800 points, you can get a shockingly large number of elf bows, right? That are still on a fight for body, right? That usually carries a spear, um, yep. so they can they can plug in when they need to. So, so you're you're actually getting good numbers, and unlike a lot of horde armies where you're getting a lot of good numbers, they're still solid troops, right? With a defense six across your line, um, they all everybody has a spear, so it's very flexible in terms of you know if. If the game shifts one way or the other, everyone can kind of support everyone else. And then and then uh, a third or two thirds of your army have a lance effectively, and the other third has an elf bow. So I mean it's it's pretty pretty great. <laughs> well, it, they've got a lance that can't charge, but they've got a lance yeah. that can wait to be charged, I guess. Yeah, and uh, I, I think I mentioned this on uh, on one of the previous podcasts, but like you said, they're probably buried. The the cool thing about the knights is um, if you charge them, they get their lance bonus. Great. 
And if you decline to charge them, giving up kind of um, so, so that they don't get that bonus, you're kind of giving up the movement phase a little bit to the Dale player and they can choose their combats. And then the front rank's going to faint anyway. So you're either getting plus one to wound or rerolling once to wound. Yeah. Or so no matter what you're you. doing, or they'll yeah. just shoot you. So no matter what you're doing, um, there's a threat coming your way one way or another. Uh, and now with the fearless, you can't really rely on, you know, well, they're probably going to fail the charge. You know, if I, if I have terror, I probably have harbinger. So I can probably control where they move. Um, not the case with this army, so long as you can keep brand alive. So you, you continue to, to have a lot of options in the movement phase and even against heavy control armies, like, like, like a black riders. I mean, you have so many bows that as long as you can protect brand, you can shoot out a bunch of horses and kind of just like outlast them. Right. Um, so though, that's a tough matchup for anybody, obviously in a, in skilled hands, black riders is brutal, but all bodyguard is one of the, one of the right. ways to, to approach it. So, although I think what you need to do there is you, you, you need to find some terrain that can actually conceal brand and hide mm -hmm. him in it because otherwise he's going to get, black I mean, dart. if you could every black dart in right. the, uh, if every you black could physically dig him. a grave on the battlefield and just like lay him in there and cover him up a little, that's what yep. you would do. Yep. So, yep. Yep. But uh, against Black Riders, I've even done that in Gondor armies with models like Boromir, where I'm like, you know what? You're just more valuable alive, so go to the back and stay there while the troops kind of hold these nine models in place, right? And win yeah. on the scenario. Yep. Except now you have close to 50 models that can do that, um, minus a few that are going to encircle brand. Um, and then if these, these horsemen charge you, which, you know, they're going to have to eventually, then, you know, their horses are going to die if they lose that combat because you're fight four with a lance, right? So, right. so yeah, it's just that I think that it's, it's an army with a lot of nuance. I think it requires some skill or at least some practice to play to kind of figure out the right dynamic uh, in the movement phase between seeding movement or, or taking initiative. Um, but I think that competitively speaking, it's flying a little bit under the radar, but it's a lot better than people are giving it credit. And I think that's, it's not too dissimilar to, um, Theodrid's guard, which people ignored until suddenly they discovered it. And now it's considered a, a perfectly competitive army, right? So there's been, uh, some pushback on Facebook, let's just say, mm -hmm. um, with some people believing that, uh, this legendary legion was, uh, a waste of the legendary legion slot, because obviously there's six slots for legendary legions mm -hmm. and people criticize this one for only having really one special rule that differentiates it from the actual list. Mm -hmm. So in your opinion, would it have been better if, this was simply relegated to an army list and then maybe we got a new Lothlorien legendary legion or do you think this should have gotten more special rules what do you think about this uh, i mean played this legion it, look i think that as a general statement the fact that Lothlorien didn't get a legendary legion is pretty shocking and um, if I played Lothlorien as my main army, I'd be pretty upset about it because this is like the third book that features Lothlorien in some capacity with no legion. Um, so like, I, I mean, yes, if, if they um, had to limit themselves to six legions, um, this is the one that probably could have been dropped simply because it does um, like you could have probably given the bodyguard rule just to brand or something and left it in the army list. Or you, or you could have just changed the, the army special, you know, the, the pure army special rule yeah. to be 
everybody gets sworn protector brand. Yeah, and I mean, you could you could have done I mean, the, that, the thing that they did for Airborne right? Acclaimed, right? Yeah. Um, so like, I, I, I'm hesitant to wade into kind of like the planning and logistics phase of a book to see whether or not this Legion should exist as opposed to a Lothlorien one, because obviously I'm glad this Legion does exist, but I equally think that a Lothlorien Legion, um, especially one tied to the defense of the North should have, should have happened. Now that said, I think from a game design perspective, it's remarkable to see how you can create a legendary Legion that is not bloated with three pages of special rules and takes an army from good to really good and fun and competitive without having to like fundamentally rewrite core rules or, or just, you know, put in a lot of bloat and a lot of tricks. Like it just created a solid core fundamentals army that I think is really great to have in the game for people who just want to play Lord of the Rings, right? Like this is an army that just plays the game. It plays all the fundamentals. Well, um, it's both beginner friendly and kind of experienced, um, fun for experienced players. So am I glad that it exists? Absolutely. Is there other ways you could have achieved it? Yeah, sure. I mean, the way that um, Old Dane changes the Erebor reclaimed bonus, you could have said that, you know, Geryon has the three plus to shoot. And if you take Bran in the army, then they also get Swarm Protector Brand because it represents like that era of Dale. Um, but well, that said, I'm glad it exists, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, think the, I think the argument is that there is no difference between the army of Dale and just changing that one paragraph of what happens mm -hmm. when you take a pure army to say everybody gets mm -hmm. Warren Protector brand. I mean, that's that's all that's literally all that they changed mm -hmm. in this. And I mean, if if you look at the it, it, you know, if you compare this with the Legion of the Dragon Emperor, the Legion of the Dragon Emperor, I mean, part of what it does is it takes some models out. Mm -hmm. If you take that legion, there's there's stuff on the eastern list you can't take, and it it adds in you know it it adds in you know there's there's a special rule in there which you know is is it, it's a good special rule but it doesn't fund, fundamentally change the army but it it changes the points levels of figures right mm -hmm. so what happens when you take that legion is that legion and you end up with an army that looks different on the table than the easterling armies that have kind of come before and I, you know i think the criticism of the army of dell legendary legion is it doesn't look any different mm -hmm. from how an army of dale would look if you just took it pure right um and yeah, you know, and, and possibly the reason the Lothlor that a Lothlorian legion was left out is for the same reason, right? Mm -hmm. That you know the the Lothlorian legion would probably look at least very similar to mm -hmm. you know just a standard Lothlorian build. Although you know, presumably Haldir wouldn't be there, so I guess that mm -hmm. would be you know kind of one difference. And you'd, um, you'd be locked into probably having to take Celeborn, right? So like it would it would limit you in that sense that you know Dale has to take Brand, Lothlorien would have to take Celeborn. Celeborn, right? right. Yep. And yeah, and I mean and the you whole idea of the transforming Galadriel as well, which would be that would have been fun to take. I honestly yeah. don't even think she needs to transform. I think just having Lady of Light as a hero for the army list that can lead troops, right? Even if you have to stay as Lady of Light, would have been transform 
formative for Lothlorien anyway, simply because of the fact that now after the FAQ, they can't really even take her, right? At right. least before you could ally her in fairly easily, even if it was inefficient for your troops. I, um, I, I do have to say that having the ability to, for her to transform would have been, uh, that, that, cool. was a, that was a super missed cool. opportunity yeah. on, on behalf of the role. I, I think that would have been super cool. Um, but I mean, to, to address the criticism, and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with the criticism, right? I mean, it didn't, um, it didn't bring as much to the army uh, as you might think, even though technically right now it's the only place you can play the wind lance. Though I, I imagine that's going to be that's FAQ'd out, but right now you can't actually take the wind lance in a normal garrison of Dale army. Right. Um, I I think that it has been fairly transformative though, because that that you know fearless for the entire army really kind of pushes it over the top, whereas before it was good but it had a lot more weaknesses and I would kind of level the same criticism at the, uh, what is it? The fell beasts of Mirkwood, right? Like that Legion really doesn't bring anything um, except giving woodland creature to a few orcs that you couldn't already do with just taking Rasgush, right. Um, and allying in the spider queen. So, that, so I mean, I think that, that's also fair. And I think that right, like, has also been criticized kind of yeah, along those. Grounds. Yeah. I, I, I think, think that either I think of they've already uh, been taken they've out. Heard, so. uh, yeah, and, and I mean, so I think both of them are cool. I think obviously Army of Dale, I think is cool, considering that you know this is kind of like my main force for a little a little while, uh, and I think that I think that it might have also been a little bit less seen through that lens if the book itself hadn't been so spread out because we had the knights in hand and the characters so long ago that it kind of feels like the army didn't change. Whereas if you got them all with the book as was probably intended at some point. And suddenly you're like, Oh my God, Garrison of Dale went from Geryon with a couple dudes to these new characters and this entire new troop type and this entire new way to play the army. It would have felt a little more exciting than it did with this kind of year and a half or whatever it was um, lead time. Um, but I think you could also level that criticism at a lot of different legendary legions across books as well, right? Where you're like, well, why does this have to exist necessarily as opposed to something else? Uh, and, you know, that's that's almost a different conversation to have that you need to kind of sit down with the, the people who plan out the books and, and, and pick their brain on the thought process. But, but uh, that said, aside from the criticism of do I, do I take up real estate that other people wanted for something else, I do think the legion... Um, justifies itself, um, at least in the sense of this is a solid army that people want to or should want to play and has brought something to the game that is um, a little bit different, um, which is just a very elite troop-centric army uh, that that kind of you know plays the game a little bit differently. Uh, could it have been done outside of a legion and with just the tack-on rule to any one of the characters? Absolutely. Uh, but, you know... As as they say, where I'm from, if if grandma had balls, she'd be grandpa, kind of thing. It raises interesting questions about where you're from, but that's a different podcast. <laughs> um, all right, so thank you, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is, like I said, this was going to be a, a bit of a short episode, so I think we're going to um, cut it off here, and hopefully, we'll be back with you soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye, everybody.